Hey, yeah. Josh. Good morning. I'm so Gosh, sorry. It's like, it's like waiting for a doctor to join the Zoom. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> but, but seriously, I, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm like 25 minutes late. Feel free That's to okay. put that in the podcast. That's all right. I, I'm fairly confident this one we know pretty well, so we can run through it. Today, we're going to be doing a review of a 2020 paper that came out in the International Journal of Colorectal Disease. The title of the article is Value of an Interactive Phone Application in an, in an Established Enhanced Recovery Program. Josh, do you want to give a, a blurb about the authors? I mean, there's there's quite a few. So, I mean, and all of them are affiliated, or at the time, at least, were, were part of the, the Rush University Medical Center colorectal um, surgery team. So... Devin Schlund, Jennifer Poirier, Anuradha Bama, Dana Hayden, uh, Theodora Sakharides, Bruce Orkin, and Joanne Fafuza. I think a couple of them have, have kind of moved on to different locations now, um, but I think at the time they were all part of that uh, team um, or department in some way. And kind of just same context for this. Um, so SeamlessMD partnered with Rush um, starting in late 2016 um, and colorectal surgery um, and their ERS program was the first implementation we did at Rush. And so, you know, this study is, um, is based on data, or at least a sample of the data from the last several years, I guess you could say. Um, and so for those who, who just don't know anything about patient engagement or seamless MD, just for context, um, basically seamless is a patient engagement platform that guides patients through their healthcare journey uh, via interactive digital care plans. So for example, in the context of what you're gonna see uh, or learn about today in this paper, uh, SeamlessMD was used to guide patients through all of their pre-surgery and post-surgery aspects of the colorectal ERAS pathway. So in this case, patients were, were getting on their phone, tablet or computer, reminders of what to do at the right time, when to carb load, when to do their bowel prep, um, et cetera. They're getting daily tasks about, you know, start and mobilize day one post-op, do this for incision care when you go home. And then very importantly, patients are tracking data about their progress or symptoms. So they're being, you know, pinged on their phone or their, their email to, to log in and actually track what's your pain. Are you compliant with your ERAS protocols? You know, um, do you have any incision concerns when you go home? And then back at the hospital, there's a whole robust dashboard that providers can use to look at all kinds of data, whether that's, um, you know, ERAS compliance data, pain data, et cetera, et cetera, um, to improve outcomes over time. And so certainly I hope that gives you a bit more context for what, what we did at Rush, at least um, at the very beginning, and they've been wonderful partners over the years. Yep, absolutely. And so the, the purpose of this study that they, they then published in 2020, um, the main goal was to determine the impact of SeamlessMD or this phone application on ERAS compliance, um, as well as on clinical outcomes. So they took a look at length of stay, readmission rates, surgical site infections, and then also the total cost of care for patients um, who are undergoing uh, elective colorectal procedures. And so just to paint a little bit more of the background um, behind the paper, um, there was a systematic review done in 2011 that showed um, for uh, enhanced recovery colorectal protocols, the length of stay ranged generally between six and 11 days. 
and there was uh, about a 15 to 20 percent complication rate. So that's kind of the the baseline um, that this paper is is going off of. In terms of enhanced recovery protocols, this had already been established in colorectal surgery. It had been around for um, at this point, almost two decades since its inception, but uh, slowly over time had become kind of the standard of care. And for those folks who may not know, enhanced recovery um, is really just a, a set of multimodal perioperative care protocols. So a, a standardized set of protocols um, for both the patient and for the providers to follow uh, in hospital, uh, sorry, before hospital, in hospital, and after hospital. Um, and ERAS or enhanced recovery has been shown in, in multiple studies and, and meta-analyses to improve certain outcomes um, by decreasing the stress of surgery for patients. So um, it has a, a profound impact on length of stay and overall mortality. And this has been studied in a, a wide array of, of uh, studies over the years. And so like Josh mentioned, Rush had implemented a formal colorectal enhanced recovery program uh, back in 2016. Uh, and then they also implemented Seamless MD or this digital patient engagement platform near the end of 2016 yeah. and into 2017. Yeah, sorry, I'm just giving more context. So it went live in, I think, um, you know, 2017. But I think that for more context, they actually had ERAS um, before 2016. Mm. Um, so they had had ERAS and colorectal for, for, I think, a couple of years by that point when it first started. Right. Um, and then, you know, they basically brought length of stay down to about six days or so. And then um, part of the reason they brought Seamless in was said, hey, we've had some success with ERAS. We brought length of stay down. I think maybe a couple of days or something like that, mm -hmm. but it had plateaued at around six point something days. And so one of the reasons they brought Seamless MD in was to say, hey, can we use Seamless to drive up better compliance to our ERAS protocols for patients and bring length of stay down further because we've reached a plateau. And then the second piece was around, uh, can Seamless be used to more effectively deliver all of this ERAS education content for patients? Because the booklet was great. They actually have a really great patient booklet, but like many ERAS booklets, it's pretty thick. It's right, you know, 30 pages. It's a lot to remember. And so they were very interested in the idea of using Seamless to break down those protocols into bite-sized pieces. And I'm saying this, I think there are a lot of ERAS programs in a similar place, right? Where they've been doing it for a couple of years. They've gotten good results. Length of stay is down a day or two, but they feel as if they've plateaued. And there's, they're wondering what's the next step in enhancing the patient experience and enhancing compliance to get better outcomes. Anyways, Alan, back to you, but just want to give it more context there. No, that's great. And actually just a question I have for you, Josh, do you, do you know, was there like an anecdotal amount of evidence suggesting that maybe compliance wasn't as high as it could be for, for some of their protocols or was that maybe a common thought with some of these enhanced recovery? Because it is quite a, an intensive uh, amount of protocols for the patient to follow. And, and that is difficult to adhere to um, if you're just getting this paper booklet. Do you know if that was the main reason why they, they assumed maybe they, they had plateaued? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think one of the challenges they have, which is true of many programs, is most programs aren't collecting ERS compliance on right. you know, a real-time basis. So, so that it's hard to know that. Um, right. I had a bit more context for you. So they had first implemented their colorectal ERS program in January 2015. So by the okay. time they actually went live with Seamless, they had about two years worth of, let's call it, um, manual traditional ERS in that mm -hmm. program. Okay, great. 
So the uh, main methods in this study, this basically encompassed all patients who were undergoing elective colorectal surgery between February of 2017 to July of 2018. Um, so they had their enhanced recovery protocols in place. They were pretty much a, a well-oiled machine. They had um, some fantastic results before implementing this phone technology, but now they wanted to take that further. So every patient included in the study, whether they were on the phone application or not, they all received the same standard of care, which was their enhanced recovery after surgery protocols. The um, main kind of preoperative interventions included um, patient education, like Josh mentioned in a booklet form that was provided by a trained nurse uh, during the patient's preoperative clinic visit. And then how they were enrolled into the study or if they opted into the study, basically after that patient education portion of the clinic visit, patients were provided the option of enrolling into SeamlessMD. So this was an opt-in uh, method, obviously, for the study's purpose, uh, if they wanted to get SeamlessMD or not. And so like Josh mentioned, SeamlessMD or the phone technology is basically a, a virtual technology that guides the patient before and after their surgery with all of these enhanced recovery protocols, education, protocol reminders, and then progress tracking um, for things such as compliance tracking, but then also other measures like you know satisfaction and so on and so forth. But for the purpose of this study, they were really looking at, does the phone application actually improve compliance to our ERAS protocols? Uh, and then a secondary effect, does it have an impact on clinical outcomes like length of stay, readmission, uh, SSI, so surgical site infections, and total cost of care? Ultimately, they had 289 patients who were enrolled in the study. Um, so the majority had cancer or, or IBD. Um, they looked at 147 patients um, with seamless and 142 um, without. And in terms of uh, approach to surgery, um, you know, 133 were laparoscopic, 156 were open um, within the seamless group. 60% were laparoscopic and 46% were, were open. And you can look at the detail data in more detail in the paper. Um, and then, me, Alan, um, do you want to talk next about? Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, what I do you can want hit to on some of the compliance measures, maybe. So, <clears throat> what the group measured um, in in terms of their enhanced recovery protocol was they wanted to take a look at uh, oral intake. Uh, solid food intake, how many patients completed their bowel prep, and then also ERAS medication adherence. And so when it came to the oral and solid food intake, there was really no difference between the group that had the phone application versus the group that didn't. There were, I mean, I, I would say if you look at the data, there were non-significant or trending improvements in increased compliance with the oral and food intake measures. So for example, you know, in for solid food intake post-op day one that they looked at in the pay, the seamless group, you know, 38% um, met that goal, 31% met didn't met that goal in the non-seamless group, p-value was 0.3. So it, it wasn't significant, but it was trending the right direction. I think I think that's that's meaningful to say. Yep. Um, but I think more, and, and this is actually statistical significant uh, results when it comes to the amount of patients who actually completed their bowel prep, for instance. With the phone application or with SeamlessMD, there was 74.8% of patients completed their bowel prep versus 66.2% uh, um, in the non-SeamlessMD user group. So, and that, and that result was statistically significant. And then beyond that, their ERAS, their overall ERAS medication adherence 
um, also was pretty significant. It was 82.1% with the application and 76.8% without the application. Those are the amount of patients who actually did do their uh, ERAS medications. Um, and then I think- uh, I think we should uh, just uh, unpack um, some of the things as we go yeah. along, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, people often might ask, well, you know, why, why would it be that a patient might be more compliant with their bowel prep or with their, you know, ERAS um, medications or oral intake or all that. And so, um, you know, I think one of the things we have to realize when it comes to ERAS programs is that when you're a provider and you design these pathways and you know them inside out, you know, all the carb logging the patient has to do and bowel preps and, you know, early mobilization, it's ingrained in you, you know, it, you know, in the back of your hand. But as a patient, um, you are going through one ERAS journey, maybe hopefully in your entire life, if at all. And so you're the one who's typically having to follow this 30, 40 page paper booklet. Um, You're having to, um, you know, not only make sure you look at it at the right time and somehow take what's in this three page booklet and put in your calendar, you know, before surgery or when you're in hospital and you're, you know, maybe you're not fully there, you're recovering, you, you expect the patient to pull out this 30 page booklet and, and you know, to do these things, or you're relying on a very busy inpatient nursing staff to make sure they um, reach every patient at the right moment in recovery post-op to make sure the patient's doing every milestone um, in a very complex healthcare environment. It's very hard. Um, and so the idea is that you have something like a, a patient engagement platform where you basically take those 30 pages and you turn them into bite-sized pieces, and then you ping the patient so that the patient, you know, preoperatively just gets a notification or a text message or an email saying, "Hey, it's time to do your bowel prep." And then one of the nice things that we we do with in Seamless and, and and Rush did this as well in their version of it was, if the patient got a message on Seamless saying, you know, um, do your carb loading, let's say, they not only get that uh, message, but there's a, "Hey, if you want to know why you should you should be doing this, click learn more." And so patients can actually choose to get more detail about that instruction to unpack. And, and by that, I mean, we explain to the patient in, you know, grade six health literacy terms, well, what is carb loading? Why should I carb load? How does it help me with my recovery? Because what you find in the literature is that when patients actually understand why they should do something, they're, they're more motivated to recover. And so it's not just that we're setting a reminder to the patient, we're actually explaining to them, like, here's, here's why you should follow your ERAS protocol. And that empowers them, that drives motivation. And that same experience goes in the in-hospital part, right? So it's like, hey, um, to the patient, you get a notification, ding, you have the GABA walk today. Um, and, and then patients actually um, can unpack further, well, why should I walk earlier after okay. surgery, right? And so we're setting an expectation and we're explaining it and I think the other part, Alan, and before I, I shut up real quickly, there's consistency in that, right? Because the truth is that um, in the hospital, staff members are changing all the time. Maybe you have new residents who are on the floor for two weeks or medical students who don't know anything about the ERAS pathways. They're not actually educating the patient properly. Um, so there's all kinds of points of failure in delivering a standardized protocol. So it's one thing for the hospital to say, hey, here's the booklet, here's the paper version that's standardized but it's another to have something prompting the patient. Here's the protocol. Here's what to do it. Here's why to do it. Um, and then, sorry, one last thing, Alan, I lied. Um, the other thing that we didn't get into is that when patients go through seamless 
um, during recovery, both in hospital and post-discharge, they're actually prompted every day to track how they're doing. Mm -hmm. So in hospital, patients actually are prompted every day to complete a, what we call a daily check-in or, or, or really it's a digital survey asking the patient, how far did you walk today in hospital? Right. What was your pain? What was your nausea? Um, you know, did you, um, did you have a bowel movement yet, which is important for colorectal surgery, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And based on what the patient records and based on what the goals of the rush colorectal protocol was, the patient actually received feedback immediately on the application saying, Hey, you walked four laps yesterday. Great job. You met your goal. Keep it up. Right. Or, Hey, um, you said you didn't do your breathing exercises. Um, it's important that you do them to, you know, make sure your lungs are healthy and you get home sooner please do them today. And what we find in our clinical research, Alan, is that when patients are actually given that automated feedback, they're more motivated to follow and be compliant with the steps. They're more motivated to recover faster. And so there's all these unique elements of the experience um, that help drive up compliance. So I'm not surprised that some of these were significant. I'm not surprised that others were trending in the right direction. I think it, it all makes sense. Yeah. I, I think the other point to mention is the by digitizing some of this education, it can personalize the experience quite a bit more. So if a patient has a stoma, for instance, they're going to get care based on the fact that they have a stoma. Whereas, you know, if you had the booklet, you'd have to be combing through that and find the pages that are relevant to you and, and the ones that are not. Now, I don't know for sure, but I, I have seen that some hospitals, you know, they have different booklets to hand out to different patients. But again, that's, that's requiring a lot of manual effort to figure out which booklets to give everyone. The other point that I'll, I'll make is around um, just the fact that an enhanced recovery program and the fact that there are these standardized protocols is really kind of this rote information. And so if we're using humans to deliver this kind of robotic information uh, time and time again, we're not really leveraging their empathetic quality. We're not, we're not leveraging their actual experience uh, of, of what, what they have knowledge in as, let's say, a, a nurse. They're not you know, if they're just going around telling patients, do this, do this, do this, uh, that could be delivered uh, over a phone, for instance. And that was kind of the whole point of this study. Um, so I, I think more profound is the clinical outcomes and the actual results that we're seeing with uh, clinical outcomes, which kind of made sense when you look at the, the precursors like compliance, uh, it, it just naturally makes sense that the outcomes are going to change as well. So um, the first thing that I'll mention, the first outcome that we looked at was readmissions. And uh, to be honest, the readmission rate did not really change too, uh, too much between the two groups. So the ones with the phone and the ones without. And um, Josh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they did not have remote patient monitoring enabled. So no, I mean, so I think the fact that we saw no difference in readmission rates um, wasn't surprising in the sense mm -hmm. that uh, I would say for most of our partners, where they do see major reduction in readmissions, you know, 50, 70%, it's precisely because they're doing, you know, remote monitoring. Um, and so in Russia's case, you know, there was no nurse or PA who was getting any alerts or doing any real-time monitoring that, you know, we have some partners like Russia where that doesn't fit the workflow. And so on the bright side though, I think it's, it's pretty incredible that they were basically able to give the patient seamless say, hey, go for it, um, enjoy your experience. And they were able to drive, and we'll get into more of the outcomes, but we were able to drive something we can benefit without a care provider having to monitor patients in real time. Right. Now, of course, again, I'll repeat that for partners who do do that. Unsurprising, there's even more benefit to the, how you can get the most out of the platform. But I think it's pretty amazing that even just by giving the patient 
um, the, the, the app and the program, um, they were able to get higher compliance with the ERAS, and you'll get into some that can actually be better results. Um, um, but maybe we'll go there first, Alan, and I'll, I'll unpack that further. Yep, great. So um, when it came to surgical site infections, I think this, this to me was one of the biggest changes. So the patients who were enrolled on the platform, there was about a 3.4% um, uh, had a surgical site infection. Uh, versus the patients who were not enrolled in the program, there was an 11.3% of them who had a surgical site infection. So the reduction there is about 70%. Um, and this was statistically significant uh, in, in its results. So big, huge change on, on uh, surgical site infections with the app. Further to that length of stay, so the, the mean length of stay uh, with the group that was not enrolled in the program was 64 the group with the app um, had a mean length of stay of 4.4. So a reduction two days you know, of length of stay. And again, that was statistically significant as well. So huge, huge reduction in length of stay. Um, and both the SSIs and length of stay uh, together correlate to the total cost of care. So when we're looking at total cost, the group not enrolled, uh, the average was $13,946. And the group that was enrolled on CMSMD, the average was 11,560. So a reduction of about $2,300 uh, per patient uh, using the app. And again, that was statistically significant as well. Yeah, so, so here's what blows my mind, right? You, you have a situation where literally you're, you're not monitoring the patient. You're just giving them this experience and you're dropping SSIs by 70% length of stay by two days, total cost by over $2,300, also significant um, uh, changes. And, you know, what, why is that? Like, how could, how could that happen? And by the way, you know, th these are results that, you know, um, some of the results we've seen at other programs uh, with SeamlessMD. Um, and just to unpack that further. So, SSIs. So, you know, why would that be? Well, again, this is all our hypothesis, because again, unless you do a deeper dive, it's hard to know. And we're not there day to day. But I know one of the things in the rush ERAS pathway that we, um, you know, did, you know, reminders and, and education interaction on was actually getting patients to do the pre-surgery uh, chlorhexidine washes, mm -hmm. right? And, and there's, there's a lot of data showing that compliance with that leads to less SSIs. Mm -hmm. um, but prompting patients to do it, educating them on it in the right way, probably increased compliance, made a difference. Length of stay. Um, I would say there's two main reasons that we see length of stay um, decrease um, when using Seamless. One is, we talked about this, Ellen, but all the methods we mentioned where we're driving up patient compliance with this ERAS protocol, right? Motivating them to walk sooner, eat sooner after recovery, um, doing all the right things. Um, so getting better compliance um, to ERAS protocols, I think makes a big difference. And then ultimately, when you're able to reduce uh, more, reduce SSIs, reduce length of stay in hospital, it's not shocking that the, the total surgical cost decreased significantly. Um, now, here's the interesting thing: um, you know, uh, were there reductions in cost post discharge? Not sure because there was no readmission reduction, so and there's no remote monitoring. Um, but I think the fact that we could achieve those savings even from just giving the patient the application saying good luck with it. I mean, that's mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I think one, one thing that, that is important to know is that um, if you look at most literature, when it comes to patient engagement, solutions, apps, things like that, you don't see results like this. Mm -hmm. um, I think at best, you usually see papers where 
feasibility studies, maybe okay engagement, but generally speaking, in most papers on this topic, you don't see impacts on on length of stay and SSIs especially. Right. There's been some good work done on remote monitoring to reduce readmissions, but I would say there's almost nothing else that I've seen that shows impact on length of stay and, and cost in this way. And I think it's a good highlight that, um, and by the way, I think part of the challenge is that, so, you know, Rush publishes this great paper and it gives the impression that um, apps in general are improving outcomes and saving costs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, let's be fair, it's, it's not like Rush in this paper is unpacking how Seamless works and right. kind of giving out all of our, our secret sauces and going through all the algorithms, interactions we put in the application, which, and, and the user experience, which are really the secret sauce for why this works so well, right? All, all you know in, in the method in the paper is the ERAS protocol was delivered on seamless. We gave it to patients and outcomes were great. Like, right. like they have no room um, for, for doing, for explaining. And Amelia, I mean, I don't, they, we can't expect them to know as right. frontline staff members, all the secret sauce in how we designed the platform in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think on the bright side, I think papers like this show the community, the promise of patient engagement when it's executed well. I think the challenge, as is always the case in, in literature, is that 90% of the papers are going to show no benefit, let's be honest, because execution's hard, you know? And so it's, uh, I, I, I think people in the, in the community need to take this with a grain of salt. And, you know, if I was someone in the community, um, I would actually want to understand, well, how are you getting these results? And I can tell you, yes, sending reminders to do your, you know, pre-surgery questioning wash are helpful. <laughs> But there's all these things that you and I have shared today around, oh, wow, we're actually having extra content and a certain way of explaining why you should do a pre-surgery you know, uh, pre colorectomy wash and, and, right. and tracking compliance with and giving feedback about. There's all these extra things that you and I are describing. That's not in the paper, mm -hmm. right? And you can't expect that to be in the paper, but but it just shows you the, um, how um, complex and robust patient engagement is getting. Right. Um, Anyways, I'll, I'll stop there, but, but yeah. uh, no, that's yeah. great. I, I thought it was neat as well in the discussion section on the paper, the authors actually do mention a similar point in that, you know, there's, there's a lot of studies out there on mobile technology. That's either just looking at feasibility and, and they're also maybe not as successful and they don't really dive into why, because again, like you said, there, there's not enough room in the paper and sometimes they might not know exactly the specifics around why it is successful. Um, but I think our, our added discussion here might help clear some of that up. The authors also go into some of the limitations of the studies. So they talk about the fact that it is a fairly small sample size. Obviously it's, it's one center. It's not you know, a, a multi-site collaboration of, of you know, thousands of patients that are in this study. So definitely a small sample size. Uh, there is a lack of randomization. It is obviously a voluntary opt-in study. Um, and they also acknowledge it doesn't measure the compliance to all of the ERAS components for this study in particular. And that's, um, I would imagine, because they don't have all of that data readily available for the non-user uh, group. Uh, in SeamlessMD, like Josh mentioned, it's going to be collecting all of these uh, compliance measures around their ERAS components because that's just built into the technology. And then the, the last limitation that, that I'll add here um, is around the technology itself. So we, we briefly mentioned this, but the, the fact that the group um, took a, a completely hands-off approach where they given the technology to the patient, 
um, but not uh, using it for remote patient monitoring in the post-discharge phase. So they're not actively, they don't have a nurse or a PA who's actively looking at all of their patients and figuring out, you know, where are the pain scores trending? What do the wounds look like? Um, they're not monitoring that to possibly prevent readmission. So that's a, a possible technology limitation, I'll call it, but not a, not a real limitation for the study. The purpose of this study was to look at ERS compliance and does this phone technology actually improve, improve some of these clinical outcomes? Um, yeah, I, I mean, and this is another comment I'll make. And again, it's not, it's not about the author because they're not a technologist per se, mm -hmm. or, um, but you know, we describe it as a phone application, but the reality is the patients there could use the smartphone application. They could have gone their tablet. They could have gotten it on their web browser program. Um, and so people often ask about accessibility. And again, it's one of those things where um, in the literature, um, the framing, you know, sometimes isn't, uh, mm. you know, fully comprehensive. Again, no fault of the authors because it's not their job to be educating the market on on, mm. on different channels of, of the platform. It's our it's our job. It's the market's job to do that. But but I'm sure people would have questions about that, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Again, and, we, we don't get involved. We, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, we didn't even know this thing was published. <laughs> like we right. we found out this was published because uh, <laughs> it just came out on, on Google, and we yeah. said, oh wow, this is really great. Right. Um, so anyways, uh, that, that's always nice though. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I, I just wanted to add as well, I think for the length of stay reduction, in addition to there being uh, possibly higher compliance to these ERAS components, and, and there's been studies from let's like University of McGill, for instance, that shows, you know, if there is a higher compliance to these ERAS elements, then there does correlate with um, uh, reduced length of stay. But beyond that, I wanted to mention uh, just the fact that they're, they're, it inspires confidence for the entire care team, knowing that the patient is going home with this technology and this education in their hand. They can um, use the technology to figure out if they're having a problem. They know what to do in that case. Um, and so it, it inspires confidence, I think, for everyone, the patient going home. Uh, and the, the care team as well, knowing that the patient has the right information. So that could also have an impact on length of stay, uh, at least in my head it would. Um, so that that could also play into to the length of stay reduction overall. Well, you know, you're completely right, Ella. And I'll tell you, you know, one of our, our customer partners um, is now doing same day colorectal surgery, which right. is, is rather unheard of. Right. And one of their criteria is that if the patient wants that option, they have to be enrolled on Seamless so that way the care team can monitor the patient immediately after mm -hmm. the patient goes home that same day. Um, and because then it gives both the patient, again, like you said, provider confidence that, okay, you're going home like way earlier than we're used to, but we're gonna right. stay in contact. We're gonna know something goes wrong with you through the platform. And so as more and more um, surgery gets shifted to same day, as length of stay uh, gets shorter, as hospitals face more pressure to um, free up beds, especially during COVID, um, experiences like seamless MD, um, I think are going to be critical um, parts of that strategy to safely get patients not only home but supported at home. So it's not just getting them home. You know, it's not just a right. discharge tool. It's it's really a support. You know, experience um, safely for the patient. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and I imagine you know obviously that group is having more of a hands-on approach where they are monitoring the patients. Uh, in case there is a, a potential sign of risk or, or something that's popping up, um, which may not be possible for everyone. But again, this study just proves you don't need to have that remote patient monitoring to still see some of that benefit. So having, for instance, a, a $2,300 uh, 
cost reduction per patient without having any staff involved in remote patient monitoring or anything like that. It's just literally give the technology with your enhanced recovery protocols to the patient and boom, there's, there's your results. So that wraps up the study. Um, I don't know, if, Josh, if you have any other additional points that you wanted to mention about the, the technology and or where Rush University is now taking the technology? Uh, no, I mean, I, I would say um, we would definitely link to the actual publication um, so that folks can read it. Um, and uh, I, I hope, you know, I, I think what's nice about these studies is that we not only talk about the, the data from the author's point of view and the, the clinician point of view, but we're able to kind of unpack, at least from the technology side, you know, why, why is it that some of these outcomes are achieved or what are some of the the uh, best practices we're finding to be helpful. So, so I've, I've enjoyed these sorts of um, opportunities, Alan, to unpack um, some of the, the outcomes. So I think oftentimes what happens is you read it, and not even related to, to patient engagement, but you read these papers, but there's so little context around the intervention and how things were actually done. And what you realize is that the execution matters the most, but none of that information or very little can be fit in the paper. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the thing about the podcast. It's often so difficult to explain all of that as well, because there are just so many, you know, levers that are being pulled and so many different behind the scenes and back end uh, inner workings of what the technology is actually doing. So just, just a very bare bones example is like, if a patient doesn't do one of the steps when they get that ping, well, then it's going to send the reminder at the right time uh, accordingly. So you know, just to improve that compliance, you're not going to write in there, you know, the, the technology sent a reminder at this time, and then another reminder at this time, because the patient filled out a survey indicating X, like they're not going to get into all that detail, but there, there is that intelligent kind of detail um, that's making the technology successful. Absolutely. Um, so I look forward to doing more of these, Alan. I think this was fun. Um, yeah, yeah, and, you know, and readers, uh, not readers, listeners, watchers, viewers, I guess viewers is the more uh, modern term than watchers. Yeah. Uh, but if you have any recommended, um, you know, patient engagement, remote monitoring type papers that you and you want Alan and I to um, debunk, break mm-hmm. down, unpack, uh, let us know. Happy to do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we'll end it there, Josh. Thanks again for joining the show. And uh, to all our listeners, reach out if you have any uh, suggestions for us in terms of papers um, or even questions regarding this paper. Like Josh mentioned, we'll, we'll link the actual paper in the show notes. So take a look at that. There's some great tables. They go into um, a lot of their statistical um, analysis on, on the, uh, the results. So go ahead and check that out. But until next time, uh, I'll see you later, Josh. Thanks, Alan.